Let us pray. Lord God, we wish to see Jesus today. As your word is proclaimed, Lord, may your spirit's power come among us. Give us eyes to see Christ. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Our gospel reading today comes from the fifth chapter of Mark, verses 1 through 20. And out of reverence for the gospel, we stand as we hear the word proclaimed. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when he had stepped out of the boat, immediately a man out of the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. He lived among the tombs, and no one could restrain him anymore, even with a chain. For he had often been restrained with shackles and chains, but the chains he wrenched apart, and the shackles he broke in pieces, and no one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains he was always howling and bruising himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and bowed down before him, and he shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he had said to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. He begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now there on the hillside, a great herd of swine was feeding. And the unclean spirits begged him, Send us into the swine. Let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the swine. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and were drowned in the sea. The swine herds ran off and told it in the city and in the country. Then people came to see what it was that had happened. They came to Jesus and saw the demoniac sitting there, clothed in his right mind, the very man who had had the legion, and they were afraid. Those who had seen what had happened to the demoniac and to the swine reported it. Then they began to beg Jesus to leave their neighborhood. And as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed by the demons begged him that he might go with him. But Jesus refused and said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and what mercy he has shown you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone was amazed. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Well, today we pick up right where we left off last week. Last week we ended uh, Mark chapter 4 with... Jesus telling his disciples to get in the boat, uh, they're going to cross over to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And while they're in the middle of the sea, a great windstorm engulfs the boat, the disciples. They panic, they fear, they, they find Jesus, he's asleep, they wake him, 
and Jesus rebukes the wind and the waves with just two words, quiet, still, and all is calm. And Jesus reveals himself to his disciples as one who has power and authority over the elements of nature. We can understand being at the whim of nature, can't we? How scary that can be sometimes. We think about microscopic viruses and how they can halt our lives and hold us captive. We think about illnesses like cancer and dementia and other things that we fear and they seem to come upon us like a force of nature, uncontrollable. So we can understand what it means for nature to come against us. What we have a harder time understanding is what we deal with in this passage. You see, this story forces us to talk about the presence of demons and evil spirits in the Gospels. I believe in the supernatural. I believe in the presence of evil in our world and in evil spirits. Y'all, every culture in history has understood that there is something at work in the universe that's dark that is against us in every sort of way. Now these cultures, they use a lot of different names for it. Some refer to this evil as devil, Satan, demons, darkness, principalities, evil spirits. But they all are referring to the same reality. That there is the presence of an evil in this world. C.S. Lewis has said that the devil has a strategy. He wants to be obvious where people are afraid of him. And to be hidden where people do not know he is there. I think that's a good way to think about it. You see, pre-modern cultures, to them, Satan was obvious. Especially working in the lives of people like this person that we encounter here. A lot of times, what we know of today in our modern culture as mental illness and, and other types of illnesses that affect people in a psychological way and physical ways and even supernatural ways, the ancient cultures oftentimes associated that with Satan. Now, I'm not saying that Satan is not still at work in our world, oppressing people, for we know that to be true as well. All you need to do is go to the other side of the globe sometimes and visit a foreign culture. Go on the mission field and you will see a darkness at work in places that we, that oftentimes go hidden and unnoticed right in front of us. But the result is always the same. To drive us toward self-dependence, to drive us toward isolation and disconnection, and to drive us toward self-destruction. That's what this evil attempts to do to us. 
And this is important for us to consider given this passage that we just read. So let's see what happens as Jesus advances His kingdom of light into the presence of darkness. So Mark tells us when Jesus steps off the boat that immediately He is met by a man come running out of the tombs with an unclean spirit. We're told that this man lived in the tombs and that no one could bind him not even with a chain and shackles. And often when he had been bound, he would tear the chains and rend the shackles and tear them into pieces. And Mark says, night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And as soon as Jesus steps off the boat, in this place, a man with this unclean spirit runs to meet him. Now, who is this guy? And what in the world is tormenting him? I mean, think about it. What kind of a person lives in a tomb, in a graveyard? You know, graveyards and dead bodies are off-putting to us, aren't they? They come with a stigma. There's something in us that is repulsed by death. But this man was living among the graves and among the tombs. Y'all, that would be creepy in any set of circumstances. But it's really creepy in the first century Jewish context where touching anything like this, anything dead, or any place that held the dead, would make a person spiritually and religiously unclean. So this man, he's unclean. This man was living in a place of death. And he comes and confronts Jesus. Why was he living there? Why was he living in such a wretched place? Maybe he went there to get away from everybody else. Here's a guy who may have been suffering in a lot of ways. Partially with some sort of severe mental illness that caused him to act all crazy. You know, the folks in the community didn't really know what to do with him. and So maybe they forced him to the cemetery. Away from them. Because they feared him. Like you, I have encountered people living on the streets who exhibit behavior somewhat similar to what this guy is dealing with. They are strange. They're strange sorts of people. We feel extremely uncomfortable around them. A couple of years ago, we had a lady that walked into the church office. It was probably the first time that I had ever encountered someone one-on-one that had paranoid schizophrenia. I can tell you it's, it's a weird thing because for them, whatever story that they have been enslaved to is real for them. And it's very hard to know how to help them. 
So when we, avoid, when we see people like this, we oftentimes, we want to just avoid them. We label them. Or in worse case scenario, we call the cops on them. We want them just to be gone. There's a stigma associated with the homeless population, especially with those that have mental illness. Well, whatever this man's problems might be, he is there among the tombs, and because of where he is, he's disconnected from the community. Maybe he felt that he was dead. Not literally, but maybe inside. And maybe that's why he went to the graveyard, because he felt he was as well off as dead himself. But notice what happens. So Jesus takes the boat. And where does he go? He crosses the lake exactly where this man is. He comes to him. You know, there are times when all we want to do is run from Jesus. There are times when we would rather hide or avoid coming to worship because we are afraid that maybe someone will discover who we really are. The person that we are on the inside. We may know what it's like to live in a literal graveyard or to suffer from overwhelming sense of guilt and shame because of the things we've done or because of the things that have been done to us. These feelings, they make us feel unclean, don't they? They make us feel unwelcomed. They make us feel unworthy. They make us feel unlovable. Have you ever been there? All we want to do is run. What does Jesus do? Jesus has come to this place where evil is present, where a man is tormented by evil spirits in a place that is unclean and defiled as a person can imagine. And Jesus walks right into this space and He finds this man who is unclean and in crisis. This man who walked around screaming and yelling, beating himself, cutting himself. This man who is alienated from everyone else and even alienated from himself. Notice what happens. When he saw Jesus from afar, Mark says he ran and he fell down before him. He cried out in a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For Jesus was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What did Jesus ask him? Why are you crazy? What's wrong with you? Get it together, man. What did Jesus say? What is your name? 
What is your name? What does the man say? My name is Legion, for we are many. When he encountered Jesus, the spirits in him assumed that Jesus was the problem. He begged Jesus to go away. Don't torment me, Jesus. Leave me alone. But Jesus made him feel vulnerable. Even approachable. The experience that were in this man, they acknowledge who Jesus is, like they do all through the Gospel of Mark. The demons know who he is. You are the Son of the Most High God. When everybody else gets it wrong, the evil spirits have it right. And they beg Jesus not to destroy them. But notice how Jesus responds. He doesn't freak out like everybody else does or like we would have if, when we encounter a man like this. Y'all, when we encounter someone that's strange, I mean, we walk across the street from them to get away from them. We avoid them at all costs. But Jesus is totally calm, decaffeinated, just like he was on the boat. And he stands in front of this man and he asks him one question, what is your name? You see, people in the community, they would have said, who cares what his name is? <laughs> He's a crazy man. That's who he is. That's what he is. But Jesus says, what's your name? He speaks to the guy in a very personal way. Nothing is more individual or personal than your name. To be called by name is to be seen, to be recognized, to be known, to feel valued. Our name is important, and getting it right is important. I apologize when I misspeak your name. It's not intentional. I once got a package in the mail and it was labeled, had my address on there, but it referred to me as Pastro Cuddle instead of Pastor Criddle. People mess my name up all the time. I'm used to it. People probably mess this guy's name up all the time too. Madman. Crazy man. Get out of here, man. Why are you even alive? You do not matter. But Jesus wants to know his name, and the response that he gets from this guy is absolutely tragic. He, in essence, says to Jesus, I have no name. My name is Legion, because there are many of us. Jesus asked who are you? And the, and the man responds in terms of who we are. 
The man speaks in a way that leads us to believe that he has totally lost his own sense of personal identity. He speaks only in terms of the many things that hold him in bondage and exhibit power over his life. This is what is meant by the term legion. You see, legion is a Roman military term that signifies strength. The very empire that would later crucify Jesus. It is one more description of evil and brokenness in his life. This soul is being tormented on numerous fronts and these forces are fragmenting and tearing him apart. Destroying him. And Jesus says to him, I have come for you. I'm here for you. Jesus is not shocked by you. He's not surprised by you. He's not put off by you. He has come here for you today. Jesus who says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden. And I'll give you rest. You, you sitting out there, you standing up here, Jesus has come for us. And what happens when Jesus confronts this man? The evil spirits beg Jesus to not send them into the abyss. Send us into the pigs, they say. Y'all, we realize that there is nothing kosher about this place Jesus is in. I mean, everything is unclean, the spirits, the tombs, the pigs, the territory, this man, it's all alien, it's all filthy, it's all God-forsaken. But there's no place where Jesus' power can't reach. And Jesus does what this man asks. He sends those spirits into those pigs. He is not afraid of them. He wields absolute authority and power over them. And when they go into the herd of pigs, they run off a cliff into the sea. And the result of that is this man is set free. Notice what happens. The herdsmen, they flee and they go into the city and the country and they tell what has happened. And the people, they come out to see for themselves this man. And when they come to Jesus, Mark says, they see the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion. And what is he doing? He's sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, and they are afraid of him. And they begin to beg Jesus to leave their neighborhood. Jesus, we don't want you here. You see, like many before them, the herdsmen beg Jesus to go away because they assume that he is part of the problem. 
I'm like that too. When God starts to do something in my life, sometimes I resist it because it's different. It's something I'm not expecting. And I start to resist it. It pulls me toward an uncomfortable place and when God starts doing that in my life, I start trying to grab control back. But Jesus is saying, be still. I am not against you, but I am for you. You know, we can all be a little like that at times. You see, these herdsmen were afraid that Jesus would disrupt something else in their lives if he stuck around. And so they rejected the very one who could bring them freedom. You see, they want life to go on just like it had before Jesus came along. But not this man who was set free. You see, when Jesus gets back in the boat and he starts to leave, the man who had been possessed with demons, they be he begged him to go with him. Ma'am, can we talk after the service? Can we talk after the service? Okay, thank you. Please come see me. But when the man gets to Jesus who's about to leave, Jesus says, no, you can't come with me. Instead, I'm sending you back. Back home. Go and tell the people there the mercy that you have been shown. Go tell them what God has done for you. You see, the town people want Jesus to go away, to leave, but the healed man wants to come with Him. And instead of allowing Him to follow in that moment, Jesus sends Him to be a domestic missionary back home. You know, when I think about that, what greater witness can we give than to the very people in our family and in our community? A testimony of what God has done for us. I want you to go back and tell others. But wait a minute. This is the crazy man from the graveyard. But Jesus tells this man that he is counting on him to share the message with others. And y'all, the same is true for us. This, this story comes full circle. And we too are given a similar mission. Because if we're honest, Jesus has found us. Even in our brokenness, in our shame, in our guilt, when we would run from Jesus, Jesus has come running to us. And He has set us free. Because that's why He came. He came to die for us. And we too are crucified with Him. The old life buried. Buried in our baptism. And we are raised to newness of life.
to follow where Jesus leads us. Y'all, this is good news for us. The good news is, no matter what is holding us in bondage, it can be defeated through the power and the presence of Jesus in our life. Y'all, this is good news. There is no darkness and there is no power of evil that is stronger than Jesus. But left in our shame and our guilt, we end up lonely, fragmented, and afraid. But Jesus bids us come. He isn't shocked by us, intimidated by us, or put off by us. He knows how to turn graves into gardens. He, learned, he knows how to turn our sense of isolation into a new sense of community. He knows how to turn our aimless existence into mission. He can break every chain. He's done it in my life, and I know He's done it in many of yours. And for those that are seeking that freedom today, I say, come to Jesus. Come running to Him. He is a deliverer. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you because we know that you are the Lord of life and you have power over every darkness that seeks to hold us captive. Lord, we pray for one another today. We pray for those that may be held by the grip of shame and brokenness and sin that, God, you would bring freedom to your people. God, give each of us the courage to turn to you. And, God, may we know the power of your presence to lead us on a new journey, a journey of freedom. God, I pray that for those that may be being held bound today. Set them free, Lord. And God, help us to be a church that extends Your ministry in places that to us seem like they are across the lake. That there are places that we've been unwilling to go. There are people that we've been unwilling to meet. But God, may you send your people to share the message of what your mercy and grace have done for us. Empower us, Lord, to be like this man who with courage spoke about what you did in amazing ways. 
We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.